Okay, a couple things real quick. Uh, first off, a good friend of mine gave me a copy of the Didache, and I have finished not only reading the Didache, which is only 16 chapters, not unlike 1 Corinthians, um, uh, but First Fruits of Zion has a study guide to go along with it, uh, with some commentary, and I have uh, gone through that as well. And uh, at uh, my friend's recommendation, we're going to go ahead and uh, have a couple classes on that when we're done with this. Um, you may be surprised at, uh, at the focus of that, but uh, I will provide you with the text of the Didache, and then uh, after you've read through it, we'll probably have one or two, maybe three classes on it. I'm kind of excited uh, to hear what you have to say as well. Um, I am reading with my bride. I hope you're reading and with your bride. It's important. It really is. Uh, this is uh, Zvi Reisman's The Wisdom in the Hebrew Months. And since we have uh, Rosh Chodesh, the new month coming up uh, very soon, uh, not, uh, not very far from, if not coinciding completely with uh, the total solar eclipse here in the United States, um, I say that because there are some people listening who are unfortunately not living in the United States and sometimes in Slavic countries and whatnot. Um, but this, uh, this has two cycles to this book. The first cycle is to compare the month with the various tribes of Israel and uh, just to kind of get my wife started. Uh, we've, uh, we've been reading the month of Av and that... Uh, that corresponds to the only tribe that did not receive a blessing. Dan? Shimon. Uh, so, uh, it's a lot of stuff about that. And in a month whose name is Father, you'd think that would not be lined with one who was, I would say, maligned by or overlooked by his father. Um, very cool stuff and not hard to understand. Um, I will admit that uh, every time he makes a statement about something, it is written in Hebrew, and many times, although not every time, he does write it in English, which is helpful to me. Yeah, so I don't have to uh, translate for my wife. The second cycle through, uh, he actually takes the, the Hebrew months, the 12 Hebrew months, and shows how they line up or teach us something about the Tetragrammaton. That would be the, the uh, sacred name of God, the, the yod Hey and the vav Hey, uh, as we are translating in the English as Adonai or my great Lord or that kind of thing. Uh, so two cycles, kind of exciting. It seems to be going pretty well. And if I can keep my wife's attention uh, on Hebrew matters, it can't be bad, right? So that's... Uh, that's the two uh, the two books we're we're working with right now. Okay. So uh, lesson twenty eight uh, in I think for lesson twenty nine in uh, what about me uh, kicks off First Corinthians chapters four through six. 
Um, so I, I'll just take a quick uh, poll. Would you like to uh, jump right into that now, or would you like to backtrack to Lesson 22 and look at my rendition of the Venn diagram of uh, Scott's coaster play that uh, that I put in, in, in Lesson 28, which is, if you haven't seen it, is here. It is in your study guide. If you don't have it, you can download it. If you haven't seen it, you can you, you can play with that. Have you ever seen that? You could say that's a spectacle. It does uh, look like, uh, like that I spy game. So you want to do that first or do that last? I was going to do that last, but I'm, I'm open. What do you want to do? We'll do it last. We'll do it last. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4 opens with uh, an amazing statement, at least, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought it was, but uh, the uh, this... This whole concept uh, that he brings up not going beyond what is written. So I was very curious about what you think about that. I'm trying to find it in my text. I can't find the verse. Who can help me? I have to actually search for it? Come on. What know. verse? Yeah. Verse 6. 6. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond, that's Hooper, right? What is written? Grapho. So, am I making a big deal about this? That he's writing to non-Jews and he's telling them not to go beyond what is written. Not what I have written, which he references later, but what is written. So I'm associating that with the Torah. And he's pointing non-Jews to the Torah. I, you know, I'm... I'm just trying to do this for what about me? So, am I, am I, am I bringing more into that? Could there be other teachers emerging to where they're they're coming up with their own ideas and interpretations okay. to where it could be? Okay, what I'm teaching you is good. What Apollos is teaching you is good. Make sure that you go back to and make sure that it's it's in line with the fruit of what the Torah and Tanakh and everything. I, 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 know, I couldn't argue with that, but I think that's the same thing, right? That Paul is still in some way pointing non-Jews yeah. back to the Torah. To me, that's big. This would be the first time, maybe not the first time, okay. I'll see where you're you know, but a big time that yeah. he's making it clear, your guide for life is the Torah. Yeah. It's... You know, whatever. What do you think? Come, talk to me. I thought that was interesting. Now, I don't want you to go into chapter 5 or 6 or any other book. <laughs> Keep thought, a box around it. I, I was going to say that I think the issue seems to be that the Corinthians are going in a different book. Because Ooh. what I thought was interesting here is he says not to go beyond what is written and that none of you would be puffed up in favor of one against another. My very first thought in reading that, you know, in, in, the, in the context of our faith today is, Okay, well, this is somehow a commentary on 
on Orthodox teachings, Talmud, whatever is out there. You know, there's, there are not, they're not, it doesn't exist yet, but the, there is a oral extra tradition, biblical. Extra biblical. Okay. And so my first thought is that it somehow is a Jewish text. Well, what's odd about this is that Paul is a big fan of traditions. He says, sure. I think later in this chapter, actually, you know, follow the traditions that I have shown you. Mm -hmm. um, but his critiques of the Corinthians throughout this chapter and then, and possibly the chapter after that um, have nothing to do with Judaism. Instead of coming out and saying, now later on possibly in a future Corinthians chapter he will <laughs> at times deal with a variance in Halakha. Right. But at this point, in the context of this statement, it seems to be that the problem is that the Corinthians are listening to pop culture. I mean, Paul's Paul's critique of them is not that you know you really are are, are too tough on this guy who's committing immorality. No, no, I'm 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 with you that he's his he's, it's the opposite. He's banging on these guys big time. But he's upset. But with I them. don't see anything that's written down saying this guy's okay. Well, that's what's so interesting. No, that's my point though. Is that he's saying do not go beyond what is written. And what is written where? The Tanakh, the Torah. Okay. I would say I think that is what he's expressing. Okay. But I think his concern is actually not like in, in our circle, most people would hear that and they would go, see, this is why you shouldn't listen to rabbis. They're dangerous, you're going beyond what is written. But I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. I I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right off the bat, I'm gonna agree with you, just so we can stick to the point and then come back to it, because I wanna hear that. What what but, I think he's really getting yeah, to. Yeah. But you agree then that uh, what is written almost has to be the Torah, yes? I mean, what, what else could it, he possibly refer to it, in that it, fashion it's, it's the same. without naming? It, yeah, it, it would be, yeah, it would be, yeah, I don't think anything else I could think of. Okay. And if there is something else, then I think we all are practicing the wrong faith. Exactly. We don't have that <laughs> That's book. Right. We don't have that book, right? <laughs> so, so, we, so we do have non-Jews being pointed by one of the most outspoken apostles back to the Torah as the guide or limit for their faith. So he, he, was, he was quick. He jumped right in here. I mean, Chronology is important here too. Okay. First Corinthians is one of the very first Absolutely. of Paul's epistles. Very, very. So in case you're wondering, the book of Romans has not been written. Correct. And in fact, we're doing it chronologically. Chronologically. So we haven't read it yet, yet. In, in class. It hadn't happened. And Talmud also Right, well, it's not written down yet. Right. And about 90% of the apostolic scriptures have not been written at all, as far as any kind of, I mean, even the Gospels, well, according no, to some you, traditions, you've got a good point there. haven't even it's, been written down. It's, it's not just that the apostolic scriptures haven't been canonized, but to Joshua's point, they haven't even been written yet. Like, well, even if... The James. No. No, it's not. Probably well, we not. Did, well, we did okay. read it it's, recently. We read it, we, yeah. but, I mean... That it would be circulating elsewhere quickly, this far, almost impossible. Oh yeah, okay. But that it would be circulating around, they might have read it, is highly doubtful at this point. Sure. Another you know, ten or fifteen, twenty years maybe. Yeah. But like Revelation, Romans, right. Philemon, right. Uh, these have not even been written, so it, it, it's not possible to to lean to those yet. Perhaps the most important thing is when it comes to Christian morality slash theology. The most important books, aside of the Gospels, have not been written. Correct. 
We do not have the book. We don't have Corinthians. We're reading right. it now. That's right. Um, we certainly don't have Second Corinthians. Right. We don't have Second Corinthians. We don't have Romans. We don't have um, Ephesians. Right. Um, they do Galatians. We're, we're getting to Ephesians shortly. But the point. But to your point, I mean, it's not like they could Google this up. I mean, these are handwritten letters. Right. Whether or not they're circulating very far, and as far as canonization goes, it wasn't until like 300 yeah, that we yeah, had you get, you get an official recognition years. of what was supposed to be scripture or not. That's right. He's next, but I just want to interject quickly. I personally never thought about it from this standpoint, that when you're reading through certain books in the Bible, you have to realize that others haven't even, haven't even been, been written, written when yet. these were written. That thought has never crossed my mind ever. And, th and that's why I've we always just looked at it as this is our book this is our, of writing. This is our Bible. One big Bible. But that's He's why we're doing it chronologically, <laughs> right? Seriously, I never thought about that's that. Why, that's why we're doing it that way. He wrote to the Galatians because he had visited Galatia. But shortly after that, he's in Ephesus writing to Corinth and saying, you know what? I've, I've got some serious <laughs> problems here, guys. So there you go. Comment, and then I've got... Did you? Let me say something anyway. Well, we, we have... Paul's written a letter to the Corinthians before, but we don't have that letter. Is that true, or did they write to him? I now, think, Chloe wrote... I think Paul they wrote, wrote to okay. him and asked him some questions, and he's going to reference that. Say, now, okay. to your letter, or to what you asked about... Okay. So I think he wrote, they wrote to him, now he's writing, and he's, he's answering what they said, and he's bringing up Chloe. Now, Chloe, Chloe came, brought me some Christmas presents, and we got some serious problems here, guys, right? Of course, I think, what time of year is he writing this? Pesach. Pesach. Pesach, sure, right? So it's in springtime, Chloe's brought some news, he's evidently read maybe a letter from Chloe, Maybe questions that Chloe simply gave him. But then we know, of course, after he wrote this, he followed up with at least one more letter. Second thing. Right. Right? right. Okay, good. Scott, what do you, what do you, you know, you've been quiet there, but I'm just wondering. Yeah. Are we with you? Are you with us? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I'm, I'm just I'm looking at the next clause of the sentence. Mm -hmm. Of course you are. <laughs> Which is the reason that he doesn't want them to go beyond what is written. Mm -hmm. Because apparently they're trying to outdo one another. Yeah, it, it appears. So, so you know, Mister Super Righteousness kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm more holier than you right. kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how would you categorize anybody? How would you categorize what's going on in their community? The way. Give me some know, words. The way the Pharisee or the saint was going over the guy who was on his knees looking up towards heaven. Okay. Um. I'm not like this guy, right? Just kind of separating yourself from a righteous perspective. Good. Putting the uh, washing of hands over certain things. Okay. Yeah. I'm 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 so far better than this, right? And that would go beyond the letter of the law or the the written word. Good. It, I'm just gonna say it seems that that would be so early in their uh, walk in their walk that they're. They're, they're wanting to jump so far ahead, yeah. as we've already seen, not being grounded in the fundamentals yeah. enough. Yeah. So, and I recall in a letter, maybe that Paul might write later, that he is encouraging this pastor, if you will, or elder, not to lay hands on a younger man too soon. 
because of that very thing. He may be a firebrand just starting up and all on fire, and then he's going to just peter out right away. Mm -hmm. Same kind of deal, I think. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But Jeff. I think, though, that based on chapter 4 and 5, that um, Paul's argument to the Corinthians, I think that the Corinthians are not listening to, are not, I don't think the Corinthians are taking deeper holocaust. I think they're listening to somebody else, and they're counting it as greater righteousness. Because Paul's comment here in verses, yeah, yeah. In verses 9 and 10, he said, um, I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all. Later he says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ, guys, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, we are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. And his point, he later says at the bottom of that, he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you. So he's being sarcastic. Yeah. He's saying, look, you guys, everyone likes you. Everyone thinks you're doing it great. Yeah, what's up with that? But everyone thinks we're terrible. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if we're speaking the same thing, wouldn't you think we got treated the same way? And based on chapter 5, it seems like there's arrogance that they're ignoring open sin. Yeah. And it's, so my argument is, I think or, that... Or, in one case... Practicing. Right, practicing. But yes. So, but I think in, in chapter 4, when he says, going beyond what is written, I think that Mr. Martin is correct to say that the focus there is that they're, they're arrogance. But I think in particular, in this case, that what's going beyond what is written, while it's applicable to other halakhic things, if you're being arrogant over your brothers, sure. I think in this case, they're listening to the, you know, the Corinthian Dr. Phil, and he's saying, you know, if you're really a righteous, good person, you know, you really should make sure that you tolerate everyone around you and so the corinthians are walking around going you know what we got a guy who's doing something really nasty we said nothing we gave him the, the highest seat of honor at the table we have you know, no problem we, we have no problem with that you know we're marching in our pride parade or whatever you know and the point is that like these guys i think the problem that paul's critiquing is that they're fitting in yeah. not that they're setting themselves apart more strictly yeah it's the the, the part that i had trouble with in that concept, and I agree with it, is what is it they're fitting into? I mean, it is it is a city or a town, if you will, with two ports, not unlike San Francisco. So, what is it they're fitting into? Is it the pagan culture that they're listening to and making that a part of their deal? I would think that that would be anathema to our faith, but evidently, as we're seeing today, there are churches that have absolutely no problem with homosexuality, absolutely no problem with abortion, absolutely no, and I go on and on. So maybe it's the same deal, and I just have a tough time wrapping my arms around that because I, I question, where, where did you, who, who, you got to follow what's written. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what Bible are you reading, buddy? Right. And that I think is where he's coming from, and that in four six, right? And I think also this time frame is not unlike today either, in the sense that um, the old structures of religions are are crumbling. There are cracks in the, in the foundations. So, as the Corinthians live in a pagan city, but um, Greece is also full of philosophies and people who are actually challenging the pantheon. And there are, um, I mean, throughout the great Greco-Roman world, there are these new religions just popping up out of nowhere, and we're going to follow this random deity who's kind of the savior figure that's going to, you know, whatever else. So it's like there's these, um, so like the nascent, you know, messianic movement, if you want to call it that, is 
not alone in terms of being the uh, new kid on the block, the new kid on the block, and kind of the the new flavor of the month kind of thing. And they've got two temples there to two different deities just in one town. And to the Corinthians, I think this is just my theory, and I don't have any basis on. I believe that they're probably picking up on some of the philosophies of their town. They're not necessarily worshiping idols. They may be. I don't know. But I think it's more that they're fitting in really well, but they're doing it. They're blending. You know, They're blending their faith with this other stuff. That seems kind of cool and hip. They probably have really good worship music, too. You know what I mean? It's like there's this idea that... And great coffee. Yeah. So the idea that they're fitting in too well. But then the thing is, I think that they're being arrogant about it. And they're actually looking down on their maybe more conservative brothers who are in the group saying... You're way too judgmental. See, I, I'm with you. I agree with where you're coming from because that's what I got as well. The part that bothers me is that he says to them, he doesn't say, what the heck are you doing? He says, be careful not to go beyond what is written. As if, to your point, they're, they're trying to be super righteous rather than fit in with a pagan side. So I'm trying to figure out Where's this super righteous, over the top kind of thing coming from? Unless it's another group that showed up, just like showed up in Antioch, just like showed up in Galatia, just like showed up in Philippi and Thessalonica. He does say in the same chapter to be imitators of me mm-hmm. and then to remind you of my ways in Messiah as I teach them everywhere. Yeah. So again, just want to reiterate, maybe you're right, it may be that it is some sort of weird blend of ultra traditional stuff with loose moral values, which would be very confusing. That, that is confusing. Um, I or, think it's more like what you're saying, but I, I just don't get the phrasing he uses. I understand that. It's confusing. Can you sign but I do think that at the minimum, regardless of how we look at it, Paul is not saying that the traditions are bad. And I think that's important. Because I think right. that verse that we just read, right. that, that do not go beyond what's written, is going to get pulled by every single one you of the Karaites uh, out there to you say this is proof the rabbis are you know, not to be listened to. Right. That's not what Paul is saying. Agreed. That's uh, totally there's no context of that. Um, in fact, all the context seems to be arguing the other way. And the only reason why we, we question is because it doesn't seem like Paul's strong enough. But I think, though, that I do think that the thing is, we don't have chapter breaks in right, Paul's letters. Right, right. Chapter 4 flows right into chapter 5. Yes, it does. So I think that chapter 4 might be an opening salvo to say, look, you guys, because Paul does this a couple of times with the Corinthians. He'll start kind of in one direction, and then a chapter or two later, he will go, almost it sounds like he's talking against himself, because the first chapter was a setup for the second one. True. And I think that might be what we're having here, that chapter number one, he's easing into it saying, you guys need to stop thinking of yourself as better than the people in your community. Be a lot more humility. Follow my example. And then he really brings the wood saying, look, and this particular issue that you're so proud of is a disaster. Right. Okay. That could be. So let's let's move forward to five. As we, as we pull into five, four closes with a similar... Um, focus, thank you, Bob, uh, that, uh, that Paul brings uh, later on, we'll see, uh, in his letter to Timothy. This whole, I'm your father in the faith kind of deal, you know. Um, and if, if, you've, if you've led someone to Messiah, uh, you, you recognize a, an overwhelming, I think, God-provided 
obligation to, you know, kind of help keep him in the faith as if you were necessary to the equation, which you're not. But there's, a, there's obviously a special relationship there. And I have met men uh, who were married to, uh, to women that they had led to Messiah. And the relationship is extraordinary because it's, it's got a, a, a double layer that most of us don't have. Um, so that's, uh, that's a cool deal that uh, he does that. Um, do, you, do you think it's right to hold on to these people that you witness to and lead to the faith? Or should you just let them kind of grow as planted? How do you mean hold on to them? Nurture them? Um, yeah. Try and encourage them to stay in the faith and keep on keeping on. And when things get tough, how is that different from what we have here? I think it's identical to what we have here. Um, Nothing here you would next say. Question. Next question. Next <laughs> question. Well, because like here, we've had people come and go. Yes. And we've had people who have kind of walked into this and kind of just, it's like, oh my goodness, uh, that's a lot of information. Yeah. Um, and can talk about myself. Um, but then there are, there's some folks who kind of, come back and forth, they have other things going on. And I've, I've personally seen that multiple men, not just like within a couple guys who are friends who hang out outside of this class, but like multiple different layers have reached out. approached and reached out even when that person stopped coming. Yeah. And it was more an attempt to let them know you're not alone in this and it's, it's okay if you don't come for a month and get things going on. Yeah. But yeah. I, think, um, I think it really is important because maybe that's a time when that person was already looking for something they weren't receiving, but when they're going through the tough times, that's when they need just people around them the most. Absolutely, I agree. And um, to leave them on their own accord is allow them to slip right back into where evil would want them to go. Right. Now, for those of you familiar with the Armenian and uh, Calvinist debate and so forth. Um, there are some who would say, "Well, well, gosh, if they're if they're truly saved, you you don't need to encourage them. I mean, they're they're done. They're yeah. done. They're 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 gonna they're gonna make it. I have trouble with that. Maybe it's because I'm a man, but I I need encouragement. I need you to sit on my couch and encourage me that this is important to you, and and you drove here in the rain." away from your family just to come and discuss the scriptures with me. It, it makes me feel like, well, gosh. Well, is there anyone here it, who would it say is that, important. like, we, you've talked a lot about community and how important that is, and I think that most in this room would consider that to be very important. I recognize myself when I'm not in this group that my interest diminishes, sure. slowly but surely. Sure. Right? Because I don't have, there's nothing to be held accountable to other than myself and God, which should be enough. But as it, to me. Unless you're on an island, there is more. Paul brings up an interesting point where he talks about, like, oh, there are countless among you that are, how does he put it, something, something with Christ, uh, leaders in Christ, 
but very few others. And I think that's an interesting distinction when trying to answer the question, what happens after somebody gets saved? Yeah. Right? Like, do they do they stick around with somebody that just kind of knows similar things? You know, guides. That's the word he uses. For, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. And I do think, I mean, I know for a fact Judaism puts and makes a very interesting distinction there. You have lots and lots of rabbis, but one, if, if any, Rebbe, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. depending on your branch of Judaism, that sort of depends on what they call them, but it's that similar concept that Paul has here. I mean, there are very few apostles, and their, their calling is unique, for sure. Yeah. So when you have these, these people, like for me, I, I don't know if I would necessarily feel qualified if I participated in somebody kind of coming around to faith to be responsible for the continuation of that. But I would definitely want to encourage the joining of a group that had somebody that was more deep in their faith, and, more and, wise, and I've seen more you do foundational. That. I've seen you do that. I've seen you reach out to men and, and remind them we're meeting or tell them that there's a, a community event or, or whatever the case might be. And I, and I think that's the first step, is, is we, we have to just stay in touch and, and, and remind them. you say them. fight has their own part? Surely, I got you. Surely, but I would. I I think. I think in every one of our lives, there ought to be one guy. At least one guy, but surely one guy. Who who has, his finger on that soft spot. Who can say it in the way you need to hear it. It'd be really good for your walk. If you were with the men for this, I guess what, what I was saying is that maybe where Greg doesn't feel, maybe he's the, he's the guy that should be the one who is constantly like um, directing that person or answering all the questions. That maybe he does still have his part where you're saying Greg's really good about kind of reminding people about events going on, things yeah. going on, yeah. like and sure. that's where Greg would be most different. instrumental. And each individual in the group has, has their, their own, own their ability own to. Yeah, I get that. I, uh, I think my point is to focus, as Paul is, on that father role of caring in spite of thick, thick or thin, you know. And but in addition to the caring, he also makes sure it's clear that there's also a a discipline, discipline, like a, a accountability uh, that that the fatherly role actually would have an impact. You know, Proverbs goes through sure. how it's almost, it, it would almost be a negative thing to try to, you know, correct a fool or something like that just because of that relationship isn't there. Right, right. But between a fatherly role and another man, that wouldn't fall on deaf ears. That, would, that would have a much bigger impact than it just would if it was like just definition. a friend or a guy. Yeah, or something. Exactly. I just thought it was good to bring up Ecclesiastes 4.12. One may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we have. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. I I want to encourage you, man, that um, especially you younger men, that uh, as you get deeper in your walk. As, as God blesses you with children, 
you have to step up to this. So that's strictly a physical perspective, and Paul is talking about a spiritual perspective. So I would encourage you that it's it's hard to urge your son or daughter to imitate you in your faith if you don't have the chutzpah and the wherewithal to say it to another man. So, as you're as you're raising your children, you're, you're going to get to this point where uh, we should all have, I think, spiritual children in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, I have rarely um, led led people to Messiah. I feel a special call to buy couches. <clears throat> so, question for you. Yes, then. sir. When, uh, so, what do you feel gives you the authority or role to do that? Like, I'm not saying you personally, because obviously you're very good at this, but I'm thinking about the rest of us who sure. maybe don't have an age gap or there's not a um, obvious leadership position that we hold. Sure. Because Paul's actually seems to be commenting on sure, that. Sure, yeah, and 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 I think the answer is 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 before you. Paul makes it clear to Timothy later. We'll read in some letter that he should not allow people to look down on him simply because of his age. So the age card is gone. Secondly, our knowledge of the Torah, not necessarily what page in the Midrash or what Rebbe said this or being able to quote a certain rabbi from England and always knowing how to pronounce his name, it, which is awesome, by the way. And to say to say, there's, there's just something special about honoring someone before you who has said something and, and quoting them in their name. And I, I agree with that 100%. Um, but as, as, as people listen because of your knowledge of the Word of God, to me it opens that door to <clears throat> encourage them to walk along the Word of God. It doesn't require a, a role. I mean, um, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, influencers is sitting right there. And he doesn't have any kind of special role in our community. But when he opens his mouth, I don't know about the rest of you, but I listen. Um, there's wisdom on his tongue. And it comes from an attitude of humility and a study of the scriptures and time. And you do that. You, personally, you do that. It's, you fill that role. And you feel it when you when you lead our discussions. Many of you do this already. Wouldn't say it's just earned through actions, time and actions, right? And that's why Paul was was I think was was uh, cautious about laying hands on, which means to make an elder or a deacon, if you will, but some type of a, an official position, uh, laying hands on someone who is young. It's, it's, they're like water, you know, they move around a lot and coming and going. 
but for somebody who's been there, you know, what they say, how they say it. Who's there? Who's going to be there at the Tosh League service? He's going to be there. He well, may yeah, come by himself. <laughs> he may come by himself because his baby is has been just born days before. He may choose not to come. Now, now. <laughs> that <laughs> scenario, maybe not. Well, my 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 my, my point is, um, maybe a better a better point would have been, um, are you going to fast on Yom Kippur? Is he going to circumcise his son? It, right? Well, maybe not. Right? He may not. But right? Well, know. sure. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, there, is there is there any way that he's not going to you know he's going to kind of overlook that? No. I mean that, that's what we're talking about. So. Um, Paul's going to say later on about a man who wants to be an elder there's no man who wants to be an elder who's fit to be an elder if you want to be an elder you've already disqualified yourself because why would you want that what is interesting in the um, in the in the Torah when it talks about leaders um, first off the primary result seem, or reason for them being leaders seems to be things they did but then also um, in the leadership for I think it's the book of Numbers when he calls out the, the 12 to come do the counting they it's it's leaders but the way that the Hebrew is written it's this idea that these were maybe the 12 spies which was not the best example of leadership but the idea that these were men who were already people, leaders. The other people had already recognized They him didn't need to be right. nominated by, by Moses and then picked out of a hat. Exactly. They right. were men who had already demonstrated leadership, right. and, it was, and so they were the obvious ones. They were the ones everyone was going to with their questions. Well, is that not how the elders of our community have come about? Mm -hmm. If we even have elders, it's the people that people turn to and say, well, what does that mean? You know, or how do you say that word, or you know, or whatever the case might be. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think we really had the need per se to deal with discipline and that type of thing. Thank goodness. But I guess that's the struggle for me is the authority level to say something there because I find that people very rarely listen unless they invite you. I would actually sure. So you just you just pointed out something and said we haven't had the need. There have been things that have come up that have been big issues and I would say that the so-called leaders of this community were very outspoken yeah, um, and, and, and not only that I would, I would and it was known who, were the, who the people were that were supposed to say something sure. mm -hmm. I wasn't looking at certain individuals and saying hello yeah. but obviously we knew sure. there were three men who were going yeah. to say something and, and I, I think that uh, if we look at Romans 13 and, and the whole later uh, at the, the whole leadership and who's overseeing and so forth. Um, it, it doesn't start with a, a public, what's wrong with you, kind of thing. It's, it's a, it's a parakaleo, right? It's a, it's a coming alongside, right? In order to affect a directional change. That's, that's what happens. It should be a one-on-one -on -one thing privately. Which is interesting because mm -hmm. Mr. Martin's probably the quietest guy, but we do look for him like kind of like well, nobody's saying anything. Mr. Martin, hello. <laughs> could you could you chime in and give us some thoughts on this? Because we do respect right. his point of view on things. But I tell you what, 
if I mess up, he has my permission and my request to jack me up. And I can tell you over the past 20 years, he has on occasion, and he, he will pull me aside and privately strongly rebuke me. And I love him for that. He's, that's why he is probably my closest friend. And it's not because we spend a lot of time together. I see him maybe three times a month. I see him more than I see him. I definitely see you more than I see him, but we have a relationship that goes much, much deeper than going to the pistol range or bowling or something like that. And, uh, and for that, I am, I am very grateful, as you know. Um, well, let's move on to Paul's, uh, did I answer your question? Um, let's, let's move on to Paul's admonition in, uh, in chapter 5. Obviously, this is, a, is this a problem. We all agree. Does everybody understand what the guy in chapter 5 is doing? Right? This is, does everybody agree it's bad? Especially you four. Yeah, I'm covering his father's nakedness. There you go. We have an entire chapter on that. We do, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think the question I have for you is, why is it so bad? Why did he have to raise the issue? What's so bad? Is it the sin? What is it? It's the close proximity of the sin and sinner to the other members of the community. Say that again? It's the close proximity of the sinner and the sin to the other people in the community. And the, tol the tolerance. And the tolerance. Exactly. Which is the why the, the proximity is there. Which, yes. which is because why the proximity is an issue, right? Exactly. So, Can you do it in layman terms? Like well, so his, it, it's actually brilliant what he says. It's basically like, look, I'm not telling you to like, you know, not interact with anyone that's sexually immoral because you would literally have to leave this entire world. <laughs> what I'm telling you is if there's somebody that calls themselves one of you, like a brother that's within this this inner circle of, of people that profess Yeshua and that are striving to, to live a godly life and they're doing what those pagans do, get them out of there because worse. that's going to negatively impact gotcha. everyone or, else. Or worse. Or worse. Or worse. Would, yeah. Right. So I, 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 uh, I recently was prepared to fire a client. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept. Right? But you know, you got a client who's just not worth the F word to me. Do you want to say where the SEC listing on the <laughs> So you just, uh, I'm talking to you. Um, so you it, was, it was me. It was me. So you just, you know, you want to fire the client. And uh, I, of course, before I do that, because there's a financial impact, uh, I, I run it by the management team. And uh, I'm glad to say that the management team were tour keepers at my company. And uh, so I brought it before them, and I said, uh, I, I, I'm ready to fire this client. And there was, we're on a, we're on a video call together, three of us, and there was silence. And they're just kind of looking at it. And of course, they know the client, and so forth. So I just, I just quoted Proverbs. guy is angry every time we talk to him. He's always angry. This call starts with anger. And the scriptures teach me 
that I need to part company and not spend time with an angry man. So, to me, it doesn't matter how much money he's paying us. We shouldn't be doing it. Their counsel back to me, to their credit, was, why don't you see if you can figure out why he's angry? Make that go away. And if it's not something you're doing, he's just an angry man, mm -hmm. then, you know, we're, we're there with you. Concept-wise, I called him on the phone, yeah. and he was angry. By the end of the call, I thought we were going to have a barbecue together. He's a good client now. Baruch Hashem. Yes. So here we have an obvious problem. This is more than simply an angry man, but a sinner. And to your point. We've got somebody who's claiming Messiah. And uh, if we can take just a, a quick breather here to look at um, the little Venn diagram, which I hope depicts pretty close to what you were saying. Do you agree with me? Or did, oh, I'm close? Obviously, yeah. <laughs> 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 you see that quiet little uh, yeah. okay. There was something quiet about so, that. Look, so, <laughs> you that's right, yeah. So before we... Before we <laughs> Before we tear up, uh, this is the third iteration, by the way. I showed this to, uh, to folks ahead of time and, and uh, was, was rebuked just to get it to here. So I'm, I'm ready. You know. um, but before we tear it up and let Scott have his way with me, um, the, the outside of the non-Jewish professing faith circle are those that are professing faith, but do not truly believe. And I think these are the people that would be doing what we're talking about here. If you truly believed, then you surely you would not do this. He makes the point to say later on, um, and again, maybe later in the book, that this type of list of people, are they don't have any part of the kingdom of heaven. We've seen it back in the back end of six. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's listing them out. Which is an interesting catch-22, because it's like people who call themselves believers that act like heathens actually aren't believers, but because they call themselves believers, you should kick them out. Whereas if they were calling themselves heathens, you got no problem. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting It's like uh, when, uh, when that soldier ran away from battle as a coward, and they hunted him down. It's the time of, at the time of uh, Alexander the Great. And they caught him in a cave. They pulled him out. Brought him before Alexander. Soldier, what's your name? Alexander, sir. Big grin on his face. And the king looks down at him and says, either change your name or change your behavior. <laughs> you can't have both. So if you, want to be, if you want to look like a pagan, at least call yourself a pagan. If you want to be a heathen, then... Call yourself a heathen. If you're going to call yourself a believer, you have to act like a believer. And if you don't, you have to be put out. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean they have to stay out. If they repeat... What is the reason to put them out, Josh? If, if they're not following... What's the reason to put them out? So that we do not... No. So they can see themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their change in behavior. 
Everything the rest of the yeah. body. The, the whole idea is that they would be restored. Yeah. And in fact, Paul goes through that. He says, I, I, I'd rather this guy, you know, just have a horrible life because you put him out so that we can save his soul. Yeah. Restoration is the point. In fact, with the, uh, the sota, the, the woman presumed to be caught in adultery um, or who's lost the, the faith of her husband. You know, all these things, they're all, everything is restoration. Well, interestingly enough, this example of putting him out is actually straight out of the Torah because the whole model of that God does with his people is you do sin, God punishes you in escalating amounts, and at the end... He kicks you out of the pool. Exile. This is true with Adam and Eve in the garden. It's true with Israel in the land of Israel. But the last straw so to speak, is exile. But the goal, as is, is God talks about to Moses, with Moses in Deuteronomy, is that the exile is about repentance. He Amen. makes it very clear, I'm not kicking you out. Even when you're in the enemy's lands, I'm not forgetting you. But the idea is while you're there, you while you're there, you will seek me with all of your heart. And if you do, you will find me. And that's the idea here uh, with this guy. And I have to say, I would think that It'd be an interesting wake-up call, for sure, if somebody was said, you know, we really don't want you around here because of this behavior that we're seeing. You say you're a believer, but you're not acting like it, and you're just setting a bad example for everybody else. And in the church today, to say that to a giving unit is a, is a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in most cases, it's business, unfortunately. And I don't mean to ding all churches or all assemblies, but you know, it's... You know, it's this concept that that can shed some light on why we encounter resistance when we're dealing with, especially with like religious modern Orthodox or Orthodox Jews, because it's a similar thing, right? You're walking around saying that you keep Torah, but when it's not to, held to the standard that they have, there's issue there because it could potentially negatively reflect on. The people that think that keeping Torah looks a certain way, exactly. and it's a lot more strict than perhaps your way. So, it kind of this this sort of insight, I think, is, is helpful to understand both both groups. Because, and then on the church's side, you've got people like Justin Bieber that are talking about being a Christian all the time, but are in the news, really? like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, just like the the issues that result from that, right? Like, just how easily teenagers can be potentially led astray by thinking that oh, he's their lifestyle. Christian artist. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually speaks for God on the CD. There you go. That's, that, and that's, that's one of the reasons that uh, uh, Greg and uh, his son take off their people when they go into a restaurant. They don't want to cause a, a parallel between their behavior and what people will think about the people of God. It's, it's tremendous. Uh, In this passage here, Paul's primary concern, besides repentance of the guy, does seem to be that that person will lead people astray. And I gotta say, you had an interesting comment about, um, I think you like to comment, I think one of you two, either Greg or Isaac, said, like to say, man is the average of his five closest friends. I think it's you, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that idea is so true. The person you spend time, the most time with is the person that you will most look like and things you'll start to absorb, and the messages you're going to be hearing, the reinforcement of your activities and behaviors. So when he, when Paul goes on to say, you know, cleanse out the old leaven, he says, you do not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
this is again kind of the similar concept to what we get from um, the Torah, because in the Torah, uh, you know, God has capital crimes for a reason. In, in this portion alone, you need to kill this guy. Deuteronomy 13. You need to kill this guy. Oh, right. You need to remove the evil from among you. The Torah portion of week. Yeah, let's, let's not mince words, yeah. kill the guy. And the reason is, first off, it's, it's activity that everyone sees because it's be witnesses. That's right. And then second, um, it's activity that's egregious enough it's going to corrupt the society. So God's goal, this is something that what I've said for a long time, is not to make sure and punish every instance of immorality, murder, whatever, because God actually has rules for what to do if no one saw what happened. If you mentioned the Sotah earlier, there's a case of the murderer that no one knows why the guy died. He just right. they found his body in the middle of the field. Measure from the city. And they don't, they don't go looking for him. Right. They don't have an investigative unit. There is no FBI in the Torah. That's right. Measure there from is, the body to the, to the city. Measure to the other city. Who's closest? Oh, you guys take responsibility. But they take responsibility, but nobody gets punished. That's right. And it's important to note that to the point that I'm trying to get at is that while God is about a spiritual justice, for sure, that his system is not a judicial system in, the, in our human sense of the word. The primary goal is to discourage egregious behavior that is witnessable. So when, when Paul is ripping up on this, it's very obvious that the activities being done are being done in a way that it's Everybody open. knows. Everybody knows. Now, this guy is, was doing this in private, and there's rumors about maybe he's doing this. Then that's a different issue. But this story, clearly to me, screams that everybody knows. So what's the end result? It's worse not only that non-believers see a bad example, but inside the community, everyone's getting poisoned. They're all looking at that guy going, well, at least I'm not doing what he's doing. Right. But I can do at least up, you know, I can get right next to what he's doing because I'm not as bad as him. Even if they exactly. don't. Even if they just say, well, I'm doing okay. So I can just stay where I am. Right. I don't yeah. need to grow. Because he's pulling the whole community down. Exactly. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's not just potentially influencing other people to do the same behavior, but it's actually reducing the standard right. significantly. That's an excellent point, yeah. Scary stuff. Okay. Sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, homosexual men, which, depending on what your translation is, does not necessarily come through unless you're looking at the Greek. Thieves, greedy people, drunkards, revilers, and swindlers. Wow. So wh what does it mean to not inherit the kingdom of God? Put that in another phrase. What does that mean? Not to enter the world to come. I like that. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Okay, good. Something else? Or another phrase? What would the Christians say? Go to heaven. They won't go to heaven. No. Pass some judgment. Well, many Christians don't want to pass judgment, but we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Although they do. <laughs> Although they do. They say they shouldn't judge. Oh, I'm not, I can't judge. Really? So if you know that the guy is sleeping with his mother-in-law, what are you supposed to do? Pray for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thing to do. Well, don't we need a judge that the behavior is incorrect and bring it to his attention? But it's interesting. I think it's important to note here um, 
that those of us in the conservative world get a very bad rap for being prejudiced against certain types of activity because we consider it morally reprehensible. I have a shirt that says I am prejudiced against certain. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, what we should point out here is that our opposition is not the people. It's that things that people are doing, which when those people are doing those things, we are kind of opposed to them because they are sort of their actions. But the list here doesn't limit itself to the handful of things that are people are proud of today, if we want to use that term. Good point. It includes, I mean, we're talking about greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. I mean, it's, it's something that we've lost in modern times because of, of our different standards and just a different way of people, different interactions in the church because of cultural stuff. But 150 years ago, drunkards was a huge deal in the church. Absolutely. There's a reason why the temperance movement basically took over most of the Protestant uh, churches in this country because drunkenness, drunk, drunkenness was out of control. Men were losing their homes and their jobs. They were leaving their families on the street because they couldn't give up the bottle. Right. And I mean, I was just hearing recently, there's something insane, like 13% of Americans are alcoholics today. So, you know, we, you can look at a phrase like this and think to yourself, well, that's, you know, that's, that's an old thing or something else. Or it's not, this, not as serious as homosexuality. Paul's saying it's every bit as serious. Absolutely. And I think it's important. I think this, this really, this, and you this. that in with the users of other substances, really. I would say if you look at the context, because maybe they weren't using anything else, any substances yeah, back drunk, then. Drunk with what? Right. Exactly. Right. You can be drunk with more than alcohol. Right. Sure. And the idea being that, like, we start thinking about the, the fact that there are other activities that are serious, that it's not just the, the things that we consider the big ones, so to speak, the cardinal sins. But I mean, things like you know revilers. You know, one of the things that um, that Judaism is real big on is loshon hara, and embarrassing people in public. And yet, we live in a society today where that is commonplace. Encouraged. Encouraged. People are praised and lauded for being willing to rip someone to pieces in a public forum. And and when they're done, they sue them. <laughs> Which is where he went after this. Right. That wait a second. I mean, he he's actually. He doesn't get it. How? We're going to judge angels. We're, we're, we're the judges. We, we should be able to tell right from wrong, good from bad. How, how is it that you would go in front of a public court outside the community to, you couldn't work it out, first off, and now you're going to go to court, and you're going to go to a, a, a non-believing court. I mean, you're going to let yourself be judged by non-believers? Why? Why would you do that? It's like saying to a citizen of America, why would you put yourself under somebody else's rule? You're free men. I, I, I don't get He's just totally flabbergasted. What does that tell you about the Corinthian church or assembly? That they were human. <laughs> that they're being manipulative and... They're being regular people, not changed by the Spirit of God. And, and if that's the case, what they were doing seems Mickey Mouse compared to some of the things that you hear about today. And why, quite frankly, in most cases, Christianity, the church, is a laughing stock. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Robin Hood 
Prince of Thieves. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Anybody? Right? So Kevin Cosner and who's the black guy? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. So who is it that is is just overweight, moving slow, and just interested in praising God for creating things like barley, with which we can make beer. The Catholic guy, Friar Todd. But when the Muslim is offered alcohol, what does he say? Alas, Allah does not permit. Why did God make you black? Allah loves wondrous variety. The Muslim's got all the right answers. He's got all the cool things. He's sober all the time. And the Catholic guy is a joke. That's what the regular world thinks of Christianity. In the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. In Israel. In, in Israel. In a lot in of places. places. And, well, I, no, and what, I guess what I mean is, I, I would say we probably can look at, there's a difference in a Christian here in the U.S. and a Christian elsewhere in the world. If you say Europe, it's just as bad. I mean, more like there are a lot of places like in certain um, more deprived countries where that is their faith and they follow that faith to their death. Where there is persecution, faith grows. No question about it. Korea, places like that, no question. Humongous assemblies, strong in their faith, and holy people. Where there is no persecution, we become a laughingstock. Sure. Jews, on the other hand, are always maligned and always persecuted. They've been chosen. <laughs> kind of like Paul was saying. It's like, now for some reason, after we go, people we, have people problems with us. People don't have a good time with us. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think my favorite um, Greek word there was kleptos, where we get kleptomaniac. But, you know, it, if you're not into the Greek, you probably didn't have as, as good a time with that as I did. Um, because uh, I always get tripped up on that word greedy, mm. but uh, and I was I was looking for a good definition for it, and the Thayer's lexicon goes back to actually it seems similar to the word that's used in the tenth commandment of covetousness. Mm -hmm. um, but John Gill's commentary Ooh, it spells yeah, it out like perfect. So he says the the definition of that particular word is more like insatiable in lust of uncleanliness or greedy of worldly gain bent on increasing their substance at any rate by circumvention fraud and deceit and then on top of all that do not use these things uh, for their own good or the good of others so it's just yeah I, and, and that that I think really helps to kind of understand like the, the state of that person yeah. because sometimes you know you read that and you're like Man, I want more money, you yeah. know, like, but I, well, I, it's definitely a, a I, level. I think of Gollum. <laughs> okay. Gollum? Great example. Right? I mean, he, he's just got to have, right? The, the ring. Yeah. The ring. He's got to have it. The ring. And he's going to die to get it, and he's constantly grasping, and it's killing him. And, and you get to see outwardly what's happening to him. 
Whereas with greed, normally we don't see till the end that you've, you've destroyed your soul, but, you've destroyed your life. And I'm not sure this is necessarily what they're getting at, but I think that there are definitely um, some things that you could, some warning signs that might be out there is, you know, people going into crazy debt, yeah. you know, because they have to have a new car and new clothes and new whatever. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I remember going into impoverished parts of like West Virginia and, you know, where some people are, you know, everyone's desperate. Some people are, you know, we're handing out clothes to people and whatnot. And then down the street's guy with a satellite dish. And it's like, where are the priorities here? Sure, yeah. You don't have blankets, yeah. but you've got, and that's not a West Virginia thing. That's just a general that's thing about humanity. Thing. So the point that's is right. to say, like, I think that that, wait, wait, I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is these are things that you can see. They should be, if you can't see them, it's just a rumor. But if they're either boasting about it or you can see it because right. you know them well enough to know it, your lifestyle's really straying here. Like, it feels like the only thing that you can talk about is a new get rich quick scheme or the next thing you want to buy. Like, maybe we've got some issues. Maybe you need to check that heart. But, but back, back to our discussion earlier, who really has the chutzpah to say that to someone without coming off as a jerk? It's only the person that has established a relationship. It's only the person that has fostered a sense of community. It's difficult to not come off as judgmental. Yeah. It's very easy to for someone to come back and say, well, I've seen you living so-and-so, or yeah. you're just a hypocrite. Right. Right. How are but, you to But if you had him over to dinner, yeah. over and over and over again, you know, if you've got that relationship where you're trying to teach them and you're sitting down with them and you're, you know, lending them books or, or, or helping them out or whatever, you've earned the right to at least share your concerns. I think I've if, learned. I think if we don't do that, if we're not doing that with people, then we will have never earned that right. And then that person misses out on on, on the, the good that we could bring. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm not trying to teach how to establish the relationship. I'm just trying to say that if, if I haven't established that relationship before I see your walk start to head down the rocks, mm -hmm. I've, I've blown the opportunity mm -hmm. to assist. Some level of trust is required. Yeah. And I, I think you can see it like, I, I've seen it here a lot, which has helped me. But also, it's helped me because of approaching someone about something I see that doesn't sit well with me or that shouldn't sit well with them. Right. Whether it be in their walk or just things they're doing from like a management side of things. Sure. I think you can really find where in certain sects, they're just casting judgment. Right? They're just cat, they're talking down to them or we're talking down about their actions well, they're rather talking, than well, they're talking to others about them. Correct. Rather than and not only in religious settings, but in business settings and in social settings, a lot of times it's the way you approach something. Maybe I just but, ask you a question. But again, what's the goal? The goal is to assist, not to cast down. Right. right. If if you just want to talk about them behind their backs and make fun of them, then the goal can't be the restoration. If the goal is the restoration, you want to use those techniques to pull them aside, to make a suggestion, to question, you know, because you're trying to affect a change mm -hmm. that will Where restore. Where he was really good at that. He, wouldn't, I mean, he, he definitely did outright call someone and blast me or well, whatever he, else. He present, but he would he usually, present the problem. Right, but he would usually ask you a question in yeah. scripture go, that really got you thinking. Go and sin no more. Yeah. Because 
that restoration is, is the key. Really. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's let's do the repentance thing. And he also gives the model for this, which is you start off one on one. I mean, Judaism makes a big deal of this too. Don't call people out in public until you've already talked to them in private. Right. Um, at least once. At least once, and then the Yeshua's model is if he doesn't work with you, go grab another guy. So that you have two witnesses yeah. that the other person is not listening. Um, and to your point, if you have the relationship with somebody, unless they're really far gone or there's a, there's other issues involved, if you ha- if, if if someone who loves you says gently, yeah. you know, I see hey, I've seen this and it bothers me. I I don't feel like it's lining up with scripture. Here's a couple of verses you may want to consider. I mean, I hope that at least the rest of us, even if we're Incensed that, that the person has the gall to judge me at the very least, we should say, I should at least take a look at that. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. Like, I, but in my life, yeah, in my life, you don't need the scripture references. Mm-hmm. Right? You already know it's wrong. You know there's been a problem. And now you've got a friend who's coming alongside to say, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Normally, at least in my experience, that's all it takes. Because a lot of times we feel alone walking down that road of sin. And if there's somebody there, we forget that the master's there. But if somebody else is there that we know, we normally want to get back. Or do you feel alone or do you feel hidden? Hmm. I was just going to say, it's the relationship that's going to be the key to the reaction. Hmm. Because even if you approach someone in the the gentlest and most, most humble terms, if there's no relationship there, it's still going to come across as who are you? Who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the pre-existing relationship that is the entire key Agreed. to being able to approach somebody yeah. in a manner that is intended to elicit shuvah. Mm-hmm. You know. Quick question along those lines: One of the principles uh, in some, like a book like the Garden of Emunah is when. People in our life, or that cross our path, have a potential issue that we that that kind of comes up or, or catches our attention. There is a concept in Judaism that that's essentially Hashem holding up a mirror that you are to look inwardly. And you know, of course, I think that fits perfectly with Yeshua's statement about looking you know, the log versus the speck. But do you have any recommendations or or anything to say about? when to recognize which of those it is you know is i I was kind of thinking of it in terms of uh perhaps like an order to the approach so the first approach even before that first contact with that person is almost a a bit of a self-examination you know almost making sure that that there isn't a lesson for you in it perhaps before you say something and if there is that perhaps you fixing it yourself and then being able to approach is actually the order that Hashem wanted to begin with, but any thoughts there? My own experience is that the Master certainly does do that to me. It's a mirror every time. And I use the opportunity to ask the person that I've seen it in for help and accountability. I'm having trouble in this area. I wonder, uh, since uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's, it's a problem, if you would help hold me accountable uh, to not doing that. 
or to doing it. I'm not doing something that I should be doing, and I wonder, could you, could you help to hold me accountable? And uh, I had great results in kicking my own Bible study, reading, praying, reading with my wife in the, in the fanny by simply asking another man who I have noticed has the same problem and just asking him for accountability. And I, I would be lying if, if I said that I was at all concerned about whether or not he stepped to the plate. He's holding me accountable to it, and it's a joint accountability, but I, I've, I've gained the, the better from it. Uh, it's not unlike teaching, right? Who, who learns the most? Is it the student or is it the teacher? The, the teacher's gonna learn the most just by putting the class together, right? And you're only gonna only do this much of the class that you put together that was this big. Um, it's the same deal, so um, I would encourage you if, there's, if you see somebody that could use some encouragement or accountability. Encouragement or accountability might be just what you need. <laughs> and ask them for that encouragement or accountability. Yeah. Well, talk and also uh, when you mentioned when you're away from the group, you're you know, struggling sometimes, you need to come back to the group to help you recover. It reminds me of chapter four. I really like this part where um, Paul was talking about uh, being judged by you or or by any human court. In mm -hmm. fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Um, you know, we can see that as him talking to them and directing something at them, but I think it's also interesting to use it as a mirror and say, the, like, I know that right now, I know more and have more wisdom, I believe, than any time in my life before. But I think at times in my life before, I've also maybe walked, maybe walked closer to God at times, and or maybe had a, a more passionate relationship, and mm -hmm. so I really saw this as uh, as thinking about the end and the time of judgment is not until the end when the Lord judges us. We need to keep running the race. We need sure. to keep, <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't use that phrase. We haven't read that right, yet. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, I was just thinking it's, a, it's something interesting that I haven't really thought about before, you know, leave your own judgment until the end. Yes, we're not at the end of the, the, end of the race at this point. And be inspired by that too. Sure. To, you know, maybe this is not the, the strongest time in your life, but maybe you have another strong time again oh, before sure. the end. So the mountain highs and the, and the valleys and the lows and so forth. But you know, Paul is Paul is clear. At the end of his life, he said, you know, I've, "I've run the good race. I've, I've finished the course." You know, and and I know now there there is laid up for me, uh, you know, a, a great prize that for, in the high calling we have in Messiah Yeshua.
but it's at the end of his life that he can say that. And clearly, when we get to Romans someday, in chapter 7, he, he's, he's going to lament the fact that, you know, what I want to do, I'm not doing. And, and what I don't want to do, I keep doing. Who, who can save me from yeah. this body of sin? Right? And that's actually, that's when I think of maybe this time in my life, maybe I'm not quite, maybe my walk is not as good as it has been sometimes in the past. It's that same kind of feeling, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that that expresses, you know, still things that yeah. I wish were under well, control you, you, you and straightened out. You think by this time that, you know, we'd have it all together. And, and yet um, the beauty of a walk with him is that as we, as we become more mature in the faith, we see more stuff in our lives yeah. because what was insignificant before we now notice is actually a pretty big deal. And, and we start to work on it. So. Yeah. All right. So um, my review question here in uh, 119, 131, 29, 319, 46, and 616, let alone 9, 9, 10, 7, 11, 14, 21, 15, 45, and 54, I believe all speak to believers, and in this case specifically non-Jewish believers, using the Torah for instruction for living. If you didn't have a chance to read those references, I want to encourage you to do that. See if I was at a at a play there, but it certainly appears to me that for the first time we've had allusions many times uh, in the Book of Acts, um, but here clearly, I, I think. There is no question that Paul is pointing even us to the Torah as opposed to perhaps the Didache or other things like the Noahide laws and you know just do what you can and be a nice guy. Just make sure you don't you don't uh, eat foods sacrificed to idols or, or or things that are strangled and that that's not that's not what he's writing to this basically non-Jewish community, and uh, I'm encouraged by that, and it strengthens our, our particular focus on, uh, on where we're at. So we got uh, about five ten minutes tops. Um, give me the critique. So I, I simply try to acknowledge your amazing coaster. Uh, placements in, in as I recall, defining or reminding us that there are significantly placed groups of people, some of who are Jews or sons of Jacob, and some are non-Jews. And I'm wondering what we're, and I, I saw as I started putting it together that it appeared that there was a parallel on both sides of the stick, that there were those who were claiming Messiah and yet did not have true faith, mm -hmm. whether or not we could discern, discern that or not. And, and it's the same thing is on the, in the Jewish community. They have Jews that have absolutely no faith whatsoever. You know, the fact that they're Jewish is strictly a chromosomal anomaly. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I saw in from that, you, you had... Uh, um, yeah, you had you had those folks that saw the Torah as completely irrelevant to their lives, whether they were 
professing believers in Messiah and were non-Jews, as, as many of the in the church would say, or, or they were Jewish. You know, they're here born, Sabbaths, they're born in Israel, and, and they're completely non-religious, mm-hmm. right? Um, yet, they do have some kind of faith, but keeping the Torah just is not it's important. important. Right. And, and then further in from there, those who are waiting for Messiah, and I, I, I think that um, as I was looking at it, I saw more on the Jewish side that would be waiting for Messiah, even if they were irreligious. Um, and, yeah. and there are those in the church that are waiting for Messiah, even if, um, you know, like, like I saw growing up in the Methodist church where there was very little rules or regulations uh, on, you know, smoking or drinking or, you know, dancing or anything else that, that, that might be considered a faux pas in other Protestant sects. Um, but they were clearly waiting for, for Jesus to return. Uh, and then and in from there came that, that Torah keeping is just yikes, this is a torque. This is a different kind of focus on there are there are expectations from our God on how we mm-hmm. should live, mm-hmm. whether in the non-Jewish faith uh, expression or in the Jewish perspective. Uh, and then in that there were were those that were not only waiting for Messiah, were not only keeping the Torah, but in fact, recognize that Yeshua is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And um, when I first had it, the, the, the dark blue circle and the red circle were kind of overlapping one another, like a don't, like an eight, a figure eight. Mm-hmm. And so there were some mutually exclusive folks that were waiting for Yeshua, but were not necessarily keeping the Torah. And there were folks that were waiting for they were keeping the Torah that were not necessarily waiting for Yeshua. And when I showed that to David, he, he said, I, it, that, that's anathema to me. I just cannot, I cannot comprehend folks that would be waiting for Yeshua, not Jesus, but Yeshua, the Torah keeper who taught his disciples to keep the Torah, to love the law of the Lord and so forth. Um, that's, it's, he, he felt it was completely impossible that they would be waiting for Yeshua, not Jesus, and yet not keeping the Torah. So I, I right. made it a mm-hmm. subset mm-hmm. then of those keeping the Torah. Mm-hmm. So where did that go wrong? There may not be any, anything wrong at all. I think it's, it goes back to um, the labels okay. of the circles, because mm-hmm. the, the, what's the, the red circle in the middle says? Uh, waiting for Yeshua. Waiting, waiting for, for Yeshua. Yeshua, right. So. As I as I see it from over here, I don't think that red overlaps the light blue. Uh, over, on the non-Jew the, side, on either, either side, well, right? It should, it should ever so slightly. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. The, in fact, the the two lighter blue circles are the ones that touch. They can't overlap, and that's a problem with the picture, right? Yeah. The 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 circles on one on the big side and uh, big left and right cannot overlap because you can't be both a non-Jew and a Jew at the same time. Exactly. So yes, the, the, the lighter blue circles do are, are the interface point that are just coming together. Uh-huh. And the dark blue covers both and the red covers both. So the, the followers of Yeshua, Yeshua are waiting for Messiah. Is that the light blue? 
Waiting for Messiah. Uh, yes, Waiting for Messiah is the medium blue, and the light blue is oh, light, do light. not follow Torah. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. So uh, the medium blue is, is the waiting one where... Waiting for Messiah. And, and a person in that category could be in all three, that and, and keeping this word and waiting, waiting for Yeshua. Right. But even the, the, the rest of the medium blue, mm -hmm. you would you would by using this label you would say they're waiting for a Messiah. Jesus what, on one side or the Mashiach, or the Mashiach yeah. on the other side yes, sir. Um, who is who is not the Torah keeping Yeshua that we've come to on the, on the non-Jewish side. Non side yes sir right. I would agree yeah they, yeah. they and, and, yeah. and if they're surprised mm -hmm. then they're surprised as I would hope the other medium blue would be right right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one would be surprised that he keeps the Torah and is now ruling with a rod of iron and demanding that the world keep the Torah yeah where the, the other one is yeah, go ahead it's like well it's him <laughs> right it's yeah. it's not what he is but who, who? he is right yeah uh -huh. Uh, and, and I think the reaction is is uh, on both sides is is going to be extraordinary. Yeah. So um, would you would you recommend a different label for no, each of those? No. Or? Well, I would. Do you um, think I should change Messiah a, to Jesus or something, and, and Messiah to Mashiach or something? I, I think it, it in on, on the one side it might be better. Just on the other side is pro, it's correct. I think you're you're trying you're keeping trying to use the same labels on both on both of the. Big white circles. I am, yeah. And it, it may be that those those two groups call it different things, but it's they may call it different that, things. But I, I would ask you this for our family members, uh -huh. as we both um, would you, if you were to read that circle to them, would they not agree? Oh yeah, yeah. They did not follow the Torah. Definitely. Uh, on either side, mm -hmm. I think they would agree with the label that's there. Mm -hmm. They would surely agree with the label we would change it to. Yeah. But I think that we would then yeah, lose yeah. out on the parallel yeah. that it's really the same on both sides. Yeah. Well, right? that's, the, that's the beauty of this, is following the same track to the middle on both sides. And, and I didn't think it would be that way. It took you know two hours to realize, holy cow, it's, yeah. they have the same problems. They have the same... One thing that would be would be cool is if you could keep the uh, the solidity of the circles. That is exactly what Mary said. <laughs> I tried because then for, you can demonstrate the, the overlap to show the overlap. And she goes, "Oh, Dad, maybe you don't know that you can actually do shading. So if you shade this one, and then the one above will be shaded, and it'll be darker, and you'll be able to see the intersection of the yeah. circles." And I'm like, "Yeah, let me." Let me try that. So I try to while she's upstairs with Alan, they're sewing and everything, and I went and I'm looking at it, you know, some kind of what is it, hatching? Cross hatching. Cross hatching, mm -hmm. you know. And now it's tough to read the words. <laughs> and I'm like, and then, you know, some of it's yellow, and then we've got some golden rod, and then. Right. Oh, right. so, so. All right, so I'll try and. Uh, second person, that's unbelievable. So I'll try that. But that, I don't, I don't see the value, but she said exactly the same thing. It would be great to see that. There is an overlap between these two circles, and she she said, "I don't want to see it stacked. I wanted to see it right affecting, intermingling. Yeah, so it is the union or intersection of these various things. These groups are the two levels that actually have a little bit that goes in the middle too. 
Well, That's what you've been saying before, but I, I oh, think no, no, I just I'm not sure about it now um, because overlaps um, in the non-Jew and Jews. Which one? The do not follow Torah. That right. it's just the two. Do not follow Torah, right? but still believer. That, that was what you were trying to well, show. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm so like you I can't. I think like those, to your point, a person can't can never touch. And this can never touch. They're these waiting for this Messiah. Nor can the inside Jesus. when you're in that circle, not for. You the Torah keeping you're sure one or the other. Know. So then, when, why would there ever be an overlap of anything? Well, he's trying to say it would be great uh, to I see the edge of this light blue circle in the dark, darker blue circle, so you can see that there is an overlap that it's both. This person I mean, is this and this. We'll, we'll have people coming up to Jerusalem and sacrifice, or else they're not going to receive rains. And they just in both cases go. In, bring it but, back. But in both well, cases, yeah, the potential yeah, yeah, where you have this is waiting for the sacrifice. There's only one. No, I'm well, saying there's people that too, know those verses and, can't be, and believe that. And that's why this circle should be cutting state. Because you're you're in the red circle Temple as a non-Jew, or you're in the red circle as a Jew. This could be a class where believe that we would do that now. No, I did it in fireworks. Fireworks. Thank you very much. That, oh, isn't that a different time period, though? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not an hour economy. But they would be waiting for that Messiah. Okay. Well, that Messiah already came for the second time. You still live. Yeah, I, I guess. So, <laughs> so you're, you're <laughs> thinking so the red waiting. circle should not be a circle. But people be a now would be waiting on that guy to come. No, not a, no but, but not as I've seen anything. I'm not sure that they're in this case. I think they're waiting for this guy, not this guy. And non-Jew as two completely separate circles. Absolutely. Which means that it would still be the case with waiting for Yeshua, where there'd be two completely separate circles. So it would be a semi-circle and a semi-circle. A full circle and a full circle. Well, just like it is you here. You still have a semicircle. You still could have a semicircle, but it, that's that's almost more of confusing it. But the right, the reason I do it like that, and maybe if we just put the the arc underneath it so you see, is that we are one in the side. That's what I was asking. That okay, because that so that was we're one. There's no longer any Jew. Oh, that's or what Gentile. I thought you were trying to say. I am. Okay, but, good. Yeah, but it's clear that you get in that red circle as a non-Jew. So it is he, so it is he, where somebody else who's waiting on Yeshua that was born a son of Jacob is in that red circle, but is still a Jew. Right. And that's different theology than many other Messianic yeah, groups, yeah. right? And there the other Okay, if this is three dimensional, it's what, three dimensional. What is it? If it's three dimensional. This is the Van Allen belts. This is Earth. And this is the most dangerous place to be in the Van Allen Bells. <laughs> so, in the real Van Allen Bells. There's the highest radiation in this area. Yeah, yeah, you're going to die out there. Yeah, and it's true. How about yeah. that? That's great. All right, so um, why don't you guys uh, email me your uh, comments on the, uh, on, the, on the circles, and we'll try. I've, it, as you've seen in the, uh, if you go back in the, you, you know, maybe you didn't see, but if you go back to, 20, what was yet last week? 28, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've, uh, I've mentioned you uh, and, you know, the man with the coaster. So, <laughs> um, so I, 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 I would like to... I think it'll be easier to, to describe who's in each slice and overlap if those... Uh, if you could see an overlap. see the solid rings, right? Because then you can, okay, in this slice yeah. over here, who is, who is this again? Who are these people? Yeah. 
what are they doing? Why do they have characteristics of this? Why do they have characteristics? Why do okay. they share yep, yep, those yep. characteristics? Okay, I can do that. And and so to, to Gregory's point, while the scripture says we're we're one of Messiah, there's no longer Jew or Greek, Scythian or slave, and so forth. Um, and that that's why I did that with the red thing in mm -hmm. the middle. But the reality is, we don't become Jews, right? So someone asked me when they saw this. So, so where's the one who's gone through ritual conversion? They're on the left side and the non-Jew side. The fact that Jews now call them a Jew is not relevant. They're, they're still genetic, a non-Jew, genetically, yeah. right? Um, that, that, of course, is not what Jews believe, but um, that, that's, that's why I put the red spot in the middle, but clearly you're in oh, one side or the other. Mm -hmm. But maybe just seeing the rings, if not seeing the shading and all of that, just seeing the ring below where it is and the fact that you literally in this medium ring can be here you are there if you're, you're over here or you could be here right, right. that's right, right. uh-huh yeah. uh-huh hmm. i guess maybe Getting the light close. blue ring needs to move to the right more otherwise you could actually be waiting for messiah and not believe can you wait for Messiah and not believe? Thanks, you could. Can you wait for Messiah and not believe? Which Messiah? Well, I mean, well, if you're waiting for you Messiah, you might. Yeah. Well, if you're waiting for Messiah, yeah. it yeah. seems like you, you have you to must believe. believe in Messiah. Yeah, you have to believe. Right. So yeah. this, this light blue circle has to also go to the edge of this one so that you cannot be in one without the other, right? Uh -huh. I mean, the, the way I built it, the, if you're in ring number two, you're already a part of ring number one kind of thing. Right? So, uh -huh. yeah, all right. I'll, I'll rebuild it and I'll, yeah. Well, praise God. There we go. That was great. Let's, uh, let's see. I have neglected, unfortunately, to uh, see if there was anyone that uh, was chatting in here. That's a good question. No, it looks like I'm okay. It looks like I'm okay. Nobody was, uh, nobody was jumping in there. So our, our remote folks are either quiet or waiting for us. So or lurking. Uh, or lurking, yeah. So, uh, Scott, you want to close this impression? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Father, we, uh, uh, we thank you for uh, your word that's preserved for us uh, over many years and generations that you have allowed uh, us to have the opportunity to come and and, uh, and talk about tonight and uh, just as it was uh, sharp in its day it's still sharp uh, for us today and father we pray that you give us each hearts of fathers mm. that can look out uh, for others and uh, and have a desire to uh, affectionately draw others uh, to you uh, we thank you father for the time that, uh, that Joseph puts into these lessons, learning more than all of us, um, uh, and helping uh, helping bring us along. We pray, Father, we'd be found diligent to uh, to study and uh, and to divide Your Word rightly. We pray all these things in the name of Yeshua, our risen Messiah, for whom we wait. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother.